Uh, well, if you have your Bibles today, if you could turn your Bible to 1 Kings chapter 10. 1 Kings chapter 10. And um, we'll read one verse here together. And uh, we'll get started here with the message today. 1 Kings chapter 10. And again, thank you once more uh, for being here today. It's certainly a humbling honor for me. The Bible says this in verse 1. And when the queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came to prove him with hard questions. The title of the message here today is First Time Visitors. First Time Visitors. Let's pray. Lord, we ask for your mind today. We ask for your ability today. Lord, we ask that you would uh, be very good uh, to us, Lord, in ministering to us by way of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Lord, may the Holy Spirit come down and And Lord, to help, Lord, the delivery of this message, Lord, as we preach, Lord, but also the hearer, would you illumine our hearts and our minds, Lord. We'll give you all the glory, we'll give you all the credit, in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. It just seems like every visitor who walks into a local church seems to have a story, unique and personal. Sometimes running from something, and sometimes running to something. Over the years, we've encountered those who were looking for salvation. They've walked in perhaps seeing the sign outside and uh, were compelled to, for, to come inside for a service and they got saved. They came in for salvation. What a wonderful thing that is. Others have come over the years to restore their marriage. Uh, perhaps they've moved. They, they felt like it's time for a transition in their life and, and maybe a fresh start at a new church could be that very thing. Others desirous to deepen their relationship with God, maybe like a 20-something coming in, maybe just moved in from out of town and uh, found a a good Bible-believing church and just wanted to deepen their relationship with the Lord. And yet sometimes people are even running away from something. That could be very well true as well. Other people have come in as first-time visitors uh, just to point out what's wrong in the church. That's very well possible too. And uh, I'm sure you've probably experienced some of that. And, And then others have just come in looking for a date. And uh, I guess that could be good or bad, you know, so we'll just leave that in your hands. The Queen of Sheba demonstrates the perspective of a first-time visitor. She is a ruler of sorts. She hears about King Solomon. She hears about his, his new heights, his wealth, his influence, uh, even the religious and cultural influence now that Israel is becoming like a a type of metropolis, a very cosmopolitan area. It is like that even until this day. And, and even at this moment, she's hearing about this man, the wisest man that ever lived. And yet she wants to have uh, an encounter herself. Uh, she desires to figure this thing out by herself. She is like a first-time visitor. Like a first-time visitor, maybe not as a church per se, but somebody coming into a type of Uh, maybe a a monarchy or a spiritual or even some religious experience, you can't help but remember the first time you met somebody. And you can't help but remember the first time somebody had an influence on you. They say, if you meet somebody famous, uh, say a, a dignitary or a president or someone like that, they tend to lock in on you and they make you feel like you're the only one in the room. So what is the mindset of a first time visitor? Because certainly here at Cleveland Baptist Church, by the grace of God, hopefully we'll have many visitors for years to come. 
And by the grace of God, hopefully we had some earlier today. And maybe even they came back. And who knows, maybe they'll come back again. But certainly, maybe you remember the time where you were a first visitor. Where you first came somewhere. And you first became kind of the stranger. And you're trying to acclimate yourself into a group of people. Into an existing reality, an existing culture. So what is the mindset that a first-time visitor would have? Number one, visitors want to test it out. Visitors want to test it out. Take a look at verse 1 again. The Bible says, When the queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came to prove him with hard questions. This word proved is quite interesting. In 1 Samuel 17, 39, David denies Saul's armor because he, quote, had not proved the armor. In other words, he hadn't experienced it on his own. He hadn't realized its strengths and its weaknesses. He hasn't, at this point, had a personal encounter with Saul's armor. And so because he has not proved the armor, he decided not to have it. Well, the Queen of Sheba, in a similar way, wants to see, well, is this Solomon guy really all that he's cracked up to be? Is this Solomon guy as wise as they say? Well, let's try to find the most difficult of questions and, and see if the wisest man that ever lived, outside of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, of course, let's see if, indeed, in fact, he will answer those questions. I got to wonder what kind of questions those were. Maybe it was something like, what happens when you die? Maybe it was something like, can you have a personal relationship with God? Maybe it's something like, what is the meaning of happiness? Or what is the meaning of fulfillment? And how can I achieve those things? Or why do I feel guilty? Or how did we get here? You got to wonder what kind of questions these were. And she didn't come with your average everyday question. You know, your, uh, your puff piece question, you know, what's your favorite burger place? What's your favorite ice cream shop? She came in with hard questions, specifically. And you know that a visitor, as they come in into a new setting, they're trying to test it out. They really want to see, what's this thing all about that I've heard about? What's this church, I, it, this church experience I keep hearing about? This Cleveland Baptist Church? Or another church elsewhere? What else is the mindset of a visitor? They may come with a competitive exterior. A competitive exterior. 1 Kings 10 verse 2 says this, And she came to Jerusalem with a very great train, with camels that bear spices, and very much gold and precious stones. I want you to see a couple of details about this. The Bible says a very great train. This speaks to how influential and powerful that she is. The Bible says, with camels that bear spices. Notice the diverse portfolio that she comes with. And very much gold. She comes in with great wealth. She is no ordinary queen. She has all the resources. She has all the, the materials, all the coveted necessities that any great ruler, any great dignitary would want. And then that's not all. The Bible says, and precious stones. Notice how she is uniquely wealthy. It is not dissimilar to how we come to the Lord sometimes prior to our salvation. Oh, sure, there were many that came to the Lord showing their good works. Showing, look how many good things I've done. And look how many people, look how many times I've been baptized. Look how many people I've invited to church myself. Look at this aristocracy of religion that I come from. Look at this, this whole history of spirituality in my family. And do you remember a day, maybe you were a child, maybe you were a teen, or maybe you were an adult when you got saved, but you didn't get saved quite the first time, did you? You thought, well, I'm, I'm not that bad. And you came in with your good works. 
You came in with your, with your long train, with your camels that bear spices, with very much gold. Oh, we have plenty of religions today that are trying to get to heaven this way. We have plenty of religions this way that come in. It's, it's like they're interested. They're very interested. There's something in them that has this desire, but they want to show that they can compete. So a visitor that comes in, they might come in with that type of exterior. They might come in with sort of a tough facade. It's like, yeah, I've been to church before. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I grew up in church. Yeah, my, my father was a preacher. Or, or you know what, my grandfather was a missionary. Or I, I come in with, with all this backing, and yet it wasn't simply enough. I mean, I want you to imagine the scene. Uh, maybe you remember in history class uh, hearing of Hannibal marching on Carthage uh, through, uh, on the backs of elephants. It was quite a scene. I remember my, I had a very uh, vivid, uh, very illustrative history teacher, and he would talk about these things, and I felt like I was there. It kind of looked like that. Maybe you've seen those old movies where, where somebody is coming in and they're being carried by four bond servants of some sort and they're on the backs of wild animals and there's maid servants everywhere and it's pandemonium and music. It's like a great marching band coming in and the Queen of Sheba is coming in like this. You know, it's really interesting. As she comes in, I don't know what it looked like from a bird's eye view, but I can only imagine. It's like you're seeing this little speck of, of a shiny little speck out in the distance, miles away if you're the Queen of Sheba. And as you get closer, you see a little bit more of the detail. And as you get closer, you see how large Solomon's house is. And as you get even closer, you see the house of God. And you're absolutely breathtaking just to see how incredible Solomon's life really is. You know, when we come to the Lord, remember the day you got saved. It's like, oh, I, I'm baptized, or I belong to a church. We, we came in with this great parade until we realized how it failed before the Lord. Until we realized how little we could do to save ourselves, and nothing at all, in fact. And then we were eclipsed by the Lord himself. We were in his shadow, so to speak. How else does a visitor come in? They might come in competitive. But notice, there is a deep desire for truth. And this is found in all of us. The Bible says in 1 Kings 10, verses 2 and 3, And when she was come to Solomon, she communed with him of all that was in her heart. And Solomon told her all her questions. There was not anything hid from the king, which he told her not. Yes, these were hard questions. But notice the willingness Solomon had to commune with her. Notice that Solomon had great desire to give her the truth. And notice... She unveils her heart. Sure, she had a tough exterior, but it's like she kept a little window to her soul open. It's like she kept a little window just cracked, just in case this Solomon pandemonium ends up being true. The Bible says in Haggai 2.7, And I will shake all nations, and the desire of all nations shall come. And I will fill this house with glory, saith the Lord of hosts. Do you know that God has placed within all of us this desire for him? This desire for the truth. In fact, in Romans chapter 2, the Bible says the law is written on our hearts. That it's there already. It's there waiting to be found as God himself, it's like he's placed the breadcrumbs back to himself. You know, many visitors, many visitors come with a story. And maybe they have their good works to show. 
Maybe they're there to, to prove a point. Maybe, maybe they're there just to show that they're as good. But as the Holy Spirit convicts, there's that little window that's cracked. That little window that's there for the Holy Spirit to show them their actual need. The desire of the nations. You know, the Queen of Sheba is just like all of us, created in the image of God. She has the law written on her heart. She is created in the image of God. She has free will. She has all these things. But notice that visitors, it's like they have to see it for themselves. They can't just go on the the rumors of another. Notice in verse 1, the Bible says, And when the Queen of Sheba heard of the fame... Concerning uh, of the fame of Solomon, excuse me, concerning the name of the Lord, she came to prove him with hard questions. She heard about Solomon. You know, but it just wasn't enough. It just wasn't enough. Maybe if she was living in our day, she could have tuned into a service online, you know, and uh, saved the trip, so to speak. I don't know how fast word traveled in those days. It seemed to travel still pretty fast. It was Rahab that heard about the nation of Israel as they were marching over the promised land. It was all sorts of people that would hear about the God of Israel that was delivering them. And so word did travel in those days. But you know, for people that have brought it to a point where they have to see it for themselves, they will come. It's like they have to see it for themselves. A visitor walking through these walls, they're not coming in on accident. They're not coming in because, just because, like, well, you know, I, I have a friend, you know, that came down the street, and I, I see him hop on a bus every week, and, you know, maybe I'll, I'll follow him to see where this bus lands. I don't know how many people we've had come into our church like that, maybe more than I think. But anyway, a visitor certainly comes on purpose. I want you to see something that's really interesting here. As she's communing with Solomon, this, this leader in her own right, and this king, this influential king who had brought Israel to new heights. I want you to see that what she saw confirmed what she now believed to be true. She now believes all these things are true. Look at verse 4. The Bible says, And when the queen of Sheba had seen all of Solomon's wisdom, and the house that he had built, and the meat of his table, and the sitting of his servants, and the attendance of his ministers, and their apparel, and his cupbearer, and his ascent by which he went up unto the house of the Lord, there was no more spirit in her. And she said to the king, It is a true report that I heard in mine own land of thy acts and of thy wisdom. You know, somebody might call that confirmation bias. They'll say, Well, you know, like you you were already you already made up your mind a long time ago. But I don't think that's true here. I think she came because she was really interested in who this man really was. And she did, in fact, want to prove him to the test. And many people, when they come to Cleveland Baptist, they want to see if our God really is the real thing. And many people, when they come through these doors, they want to see if it's authentic in our lives, and if it's real, and if there's something about our spirituality and our Christianity that is worth mimicking. Take a look at the things that uh, seem to confirm all these things in the Queen of Sheba's mind. She noticed it was all true. His wisdom was true. His house, as she first saw in the great distance on the horizon, that got bigger and bigger as she marched forward. And all of a sudden, the camel trains that bear spices, the, the, the servants, and everyone that came alongside, they seemed to pale in comparison with what she saw. The food that was on the table. I love how she notices the food. That's great. His servants. She notices the servants. It's like, what's with these servants, she notices. They seem happy. 
They seem joyful. She notices the apparel. You know, she must have a thing for clothing, it would seem. You know, that these weren't just your average servants. They weren't just, just kind of clocking in and clocking out. Man, they were dressed to the nines. The cupbearers. You know, that's a kind of a lousy job, cupbearer. You know, but he had a lot of them. You know, just in case somebody was trying to poison Solomon. And apparently Solomon had his, his lot full of cupbearers of people that were willing to die for him. I mean, imagine you're, you're coming in as sort of a skeptic. And, and you're coming in trying to decide whether all these things are true. And you're walking into this place and it just keeps getting more real and more real. And this I find so interesting. She notices the ascent to the house of the Lord. In other words, there was great comfort in the eyes of Solomon to go and meet with his God. His ascent. In other words, his rising up into the house of the Lord. It's like she notices that. Look at these nuances this lady is noticing. Enough that it takes her spirit away. You ever talk to somebody that was so impressed and it's like they're kind of a loss for words for something. I've never personally experienced that myself, but I've heard of people. And I don't know what it is, but there have been times where I've been impressed. Uh, I'm a big fan of, of high school basketball, and, and uh, I have a very small role at the school. I am the uh, prestigious junior high coach. My record is something like 9 and 175. It's quite good. It's quite good. would be very impressed with my strategy. Um, but, you know, if I wasn't involved in that, I'd probably go to an area high school game maybe every weekend. I mean, I love area high school basketball. Uh, my friends used to, and I used to always go. And there was just something about finding a Division I player that you knew was going to go to a big school and watching him play as a 16 and a 17-year-old. And, and I remember watching some really great athletes in town. And, you know, it was always shocking to watch them play because there was a notable difference between their ability and the guy next down. <laughs> there are other times where I've seen great artwork. Uh, when I was in college, I... Uh, I, I toyed with the idea of being a fine arts major, and that was very short-lived because I realized I wasn't quite a good artist, as it would turn out. But I had a professor uh, in, in school at Cleveland State. His name was George Mowersberger, and he had such ability to use charcoal. I mean, it was fascinating. It was just fascinating. And uh, they had his exhibit downstairs uh, at, the, at Cleveland State, and, and I remember walking through, and I see these eight-foot portraits, and I would say, oh, somebody's a photographer here. This is something. And uh, about eight, eight uh, photographs across this little uh, muse mini museum. And I said one day, you know, I got some time to kill. I'm going to go and, and take a look at these things. Everyone seems to be advertising for this thing. So I walk by, and I see that these are not photographs. I see that these are the most meticulous, fine lines of, of I mean, I can't even quite describe it. It, it, was, it was the most detail I've ever seen in any sketch it was shocking, and in many ways that took my breath away. And incidentally, it took away my desire to be an artist, because I realized I could not do that. You know, there are things in life that impress us. There are things in life that, man, they take our spirit away. It's like we're shocked by them. And imagine, imagine somebody coming in with something to prove, and somebody to prove, and, and they're coming in, maybe not with a chip on their shoulder, but kind of a chip on their shoulder. And, and every answer, every question is answered. It would take your spirit away. All her questions are gone. 
They all have answers. The Bible says that she communed with Solomon her entire heart, and he answered everything. It's true. It's all true. You ever get around a new convert? Boy, that is good for your soul. You know, somebody who just got saved. It's like they can't believe that they got saved. They can't believe that Jesus would save them. Remember the day you got saved? You couldn't believe that Jesus would save you. And, and you thought, well, what else do I need in this life? He saved my soul. I mean, that's pretty much it. Then you realize, well, there are some other things I need in this life. But man, there's something about a new convert, man. They have this abiding love for their Lord. They have this abiding love for their father. You know, it's, un, it's not unlike, or it's similar, excuse me, to when a, a mother has a son or a daughter. You know, there's a, a natural love that an infant baby will have for its mother. As she, she looks at her mother, and she looks at her in the eye, or he looks at her in the eye, and there's this deep abiding love that this person will care and love me, and they will help me, and they will provide for me. And man, I'm not like a, the second most loved person in my family. I'm like a way far second between me and Megan. My kids love my wife. I mean, they love her. And it's because they see what she is to them, that she will provide for them, that she will minister to their needs, that all they have to do is, is, is squawk one, <laughs> one sound in the middle of the night and she wakes up. I don't wake up in the middle of the night, but thankfully she does. You know, a new convert, all of a sudden, they can't believe how good their Lord is. They can't believe how good Jesus Christ is. But what was the half that was not told? Isn't that an interesting uh, phrase? Uh, take a look at uh, verse uh, 7, excuse me. Howbeit I believed not the words until I came, and mine eyes had seen it, and behold, the half was not told me. Thy wisdom and prosperity exceedeth the fame which I had heard. Well, before we answer that, I'd like to take a look at two other verses, and then we'll, we'll get to the, this question. What was the half that was not told? Because she clearly had some inkling that some of these things could be true, at least. Or at least that had the potential to be true, that she's about to speak with the wisest man that ever lived. But if you can earmark these passages, John 13, 35, and Matthew 5, 16. In the New Testament, uh, the Lord gives us some indication on how we should be in our Christian behavior, in our Christian maturity. The Bible says this in John 13, 35, By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. Matthew 5, 16 says this, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. What is a first-time visitor going to notice most of all? Take a look at verse uh, 8 back in our text. In 1 Kings 10, 8. The Bible says, as the Queen of Sheba is continuing on with this dialogue, like she just can't believe it as her spirit is leaving her. Verse 8. Happy are thy men. Happy are these thy servants which stand continually before thee and, they, and that hear thy wisdom. Blessed be the Lord thy God which delighteth in thee to set thee on the throne of Israel, because the Lord loved Israel forever. Therefore made he the king to do judgment and justice. The queen of Sheba noticed the love and joy of Solomon's men and their good works 
and it made her glorify God, which is in heaven. All right, so let's kind of reel this in. A first-time visitor might have something to prove. They might have some questions. They might have a chip on their shoulder. And they might also want to show you that they can be as good as you are, perhaps. Then they start to notice some things. There's something that they're going to notice more than, more than anything else, and it's two things. Jesus tells us himself, they'll glorify your Father, which is in heaven, because of good works, and they'll know that you're his disciples if you love one another. So imagine, imagine a first-time visitor is walking through these doors, and all of a sudden he's, he's approached by Adrian Vance, greeter at large. And man, he is accosting them with love. I mean, it is something. He's like, hey, you know, I'm the most good-looking guy here. He'll give him the line, the lines that have worked for years. And they realize they might love me at this church. I mean, they might really love me. And then they see in the distance two people laughing. And then they see on the other side of the church two other people laughing. Then they see two other people in deep conversation. Then they see two other folks uh, in deep conversation. Then they see me running after my kids and yelling at them. And hopefully they don't look at that. But then they'll see somebody holding the door for somebody else. And then they'll see maybe a Sunday school teacher walk their class across the, the playground or w- across the parking lot. And then they'll see a couple of Sunday school teachers as they walk through the building teaching a group of kids, some from all walks of life. You know what they'll notice? Happy are thy men. Happy are these thy servants, which stand continually before thee and that hear thy wisdom. Blessed be the Lord thy God, which delighteth in thee, to set thee on the throne of Israel, because the Lord loved Israel forevermore. Therefore made he thee king to do judgment and justice. What is the half that she never saw? Oh, that God's people love each other, and they're there to do good works for each other. You know, I really think if a visitor sees that, I think we could win the city of Cleveland. I really believe that. But... It's not always easy to love one another, is it? Sometimes we backtalk each other. Sometimes we're overly suspicious of each other. Sometimes we're deeply critical. It's like a knife that only cuts one way. So it becomes more difficult to persuade people that you're a disciple of Christ because the criteria was to love one another. And that's what made people know that you're a disciple. But if we don't, then it makes it harder for them to know that you're a disciple of Jesus Christ. I'm not saying this is something that you're struggling with, but maybe. Maybe as people are coming in, maybe, maybe if they saw us, I mean, continuing in what we've done now for 60 plus years. Loving one another. I mean, caring about each other. And, and, and rejoicing when somebody gets saved. And helping kids off the bus. And teaching Sunday school classes. And, and enrolling another person in Brother Beaver's doctrines class. They see that love. Why will they glorify their Father which is in heaven? Well, by all the good works they see. Are you involved in a ministry today? Are you reaching out to people today? Are you actively participating in worship? Man, I love seeing these interns uh, out here, out in front of people. It is great. That is something. That is wonderful. They're doing a great job. And uh, man, that like inner hymn dialogue, that's good, right? I mean, that's really good. But, you know, Calvin and Jason and, and Kyle and the teen department and uh, some of the folks that are coming in and coming along our side, our ministry as well, they need encouragement too. I mean, they, they, need, 
they need to know that they're going to have like a, like a home court here. You know what I'm talking about? And all of a sudden a visitor comes in. And the thought that they have is, happy are thy people. Man, these people really believe what they're singing about. Man, these people really believe the God that they purport to say that he is their father. They really believe he is their father. That's the half. Visitors are looking for something. And the queen of Sheba was too. I want you to see one final thing and we're done today. Verse 10 says, And she gave the king 120 talents of gold and of spices, very great store, and precious stones. There came no more such abundance of spices as these which the queen of Sheba gave to King Solomon. Visitors are looking for someone to connect with. Now, I don't know, you've probably heard all the rumors of Solomon and, and Queen of Sheba, and, and they got married, and I don't know if that's true or not. You know, but there are a lot of people who like to make all these rumors, but at least for a moment. A first-time visitor came to the nation of Israel and felt really welcome and really loved being there and felt like, and felt like she had a spiritual experience that she had just spoken with the man of God. I, uh, I uh, interned with uh, an evangelist a couple years ago, and uh, it was quite an experience. I would stay at people's houses all across the South. I mean, it was something, you know, so it was really an amazing time. There, there was one family uh, right outside Philly uh, that was particularly very kind to me. I mean, they gave me this neat little auxiliary apartment that they had. They had refabbed their garage into a really neat apartment. I had my own fridge, my own washer and dryer. Come on, that was great. And, uh, and I remember just having this entire experience in, and I wanted to tell them how thankful I was. I was just like, man, this is, this is too much, because you know, I, I felt like the first-time visitor, and I felt like people just showering love all over me. I, I really wanted to give them a good compliment. And I said, thank you so much for your hospitality. And they said, oh, it, it's our honor. I said, you know, you remind me of Ananias and Sapphira. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And, um, and they didn't say thank you. And I, I remember thinking, like, that's so weird. Like, I, mean, I was like, what a great compliment that I just gave. And I, it's like, it's, I'm, I'm having this inner dialogue, you know, like, I mean, like, surely. I mean, that's the compliment, if you want, or a husband and wife. And so imagine, like, I went round two on this compliment. I was like, maybe they just didn't hear my said. So I said, thank you again. You're like Ananias and Sapphira. I said it twice, two times. I am telling a couple that they look like somebody who would lie about their tithe. Like, I mean, imagine this in real time. These people that, like, just invested in me a, a week and gave me all sorts of food and I used all their electricity. I mean... All sorts of things. And I realized as I was saying it the second time that probably I had the wrong couple. And he looked at me and he said, do you mean Aquila and Priscilla? And I said, ah, yes, I do. Thank you. Yes, I do. But Aquila and Priscilla, they found Apollos and they were a blessing to him. And Barnabas found Saul. And Andrew found Peter. And, you know, it was sort of a reversal, but Elisha found Elijah. Elijah is sort of a rough character, but it was Elisha that found him. 
And Philip found the Ethiopian eunuch. It's like first-time visitors are just looking for someone to connect with because they realize how lonely this life can really be. So next time you have an opportunity to influence a visitor, yes, of course, demonstrate love and good works to them because it's the half that they are looking for. It's the half that's not been told. I want to read this verse one last time. Howbeit I believe not the words until I came, and mine eyes had seen it, and behold, the half was not told me. Thy wisdom and prosperity exceedeth the fame which I heard. The next time somebody walks through these walls, I'm not saying we don't do this already. I know that we do. But let's do it even more. Let's shower more love on them. Let's let them see us in the distance being a blessing to each other. And they'll see what a, what a good unified church looks like.